News Hounds from Queen City Nerve is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. And welcome to episode 50 of Queen City Nerves News Hounds. What? I was trying to throw the S in there for you. Oh. What? Snooze Hounds. Oh, you're right. <laughs> we were just talking about it five yes. minutes ago. <laughs> and we have a return guest and a first time guest here today. Uh, return guest being Michael Graff, editor and writer at XEO Charlotte. What's going on, man? Good to see you all again, House. Thanks. Absolutely. Uh, we were just talking, I think, when you were first on here with Greg LaCour, we were still going hard with the mixing of the cocktails pre-COVID. We were doing it up. We kind of fell off the, fell, got back on the wagon in terms of drinking goes. Um, so I apologize for that. It was it was slightly disappointing, I have to say. <laughs> and we also have Chief Investigative Reporter Nick Ochsner from WBTV. What's going on, man? I was here on the premise there'd be a cocktail. Right. <laughs> well, there's also paper plane happened to yeah, be closed today. Because usually we get alcohol from paper. You're allowed to just buy it, it and bring it. Yeah. And now we just sort of got. I Shut strongly out. object. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, thank you for the doing disappointment, this, gentlemen. <laughs> what is it called? Doing this under the military language, under distress or under, under duress? Under duress. That's yes. it. Um, <laughs> under dress. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the reason we have you here today is not for those jobs, although we will be discussing plenty of Charlotte news, but it is because you guys have a book coming out, co-authored, The Vote Collectors, releasing November 16th. Um, I don't know how many times you guys have done this, how many, how deep into the interview realm you've gotten, or if it's going to be later in November that that starts happening, well, but who's, who's working out the uh, elevator pitch? Who wants to run down the, well, uh, the synopsis? When Nick describes his book every time, his, uh, his, his wife chimes in and says it's way more interesting than the way Nick describes <laughs> it, which is strange True. because Nick's a TV reporter, and I think he'd be able to describe it in short, short order. So I'm going to let him try first. Well, I've refined it. Um, can we use slightly bad language yes. on this book? Great. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Did I just call this a book? Anyways, um, uh, I've refined it to say it's about crazy ass people doing things to try to win elections in Bladen County. Right. But it's really about the crazy ass people, not really about the election. Right. That actually sounds pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that fun little I'm sentence. looking forward to it. Um, specifically, the District 9... Congressional yes. race in 2008, 18, 18. Yep. Um, and folks might remember that this was with all the talk of voter fraud and, and all the talk of election fraud and this and that, this was one of those real cases that came up in 2018 and had to do with, um, well, you guys know better than me, Mike, I'll let you, I'll let you go into the, uh, the right. details of who was involved on election night in, in November eight nineteen or 2018, <laughs> uh, Republican Mark Harris thought he won the ninth district congressional race over Dan McCready. Uh, about a month later, the board of elections said, Whoa, wait, we found, we found some things, some evidence of possible ballot tampering, things like that. Uh, about a week and a half, two weeks of crazy media, uh, New York Times, everybody from England to, to, to New York to, to San Francisco flying into Little Bladen County, North Carolina to check out and see what was going on. And they uncovered what they thought was uh, a, a ballot collection scheme uh, organized by somebody who worked for an organization that worked for Mark Harris. Am I 
Yeah, just trying to get that <laughs> as quick an order as possible. Good, that's yeah. a good wrap up. Um, and here's why it's so hard for me to describe the book because I have like 10 more addendums to all of that. Right. <laughs> it makes the story crazier. It's right. a crazy story, I promise. Um, and that's what you were just mentioning. It's not so much about the the bureaucracy, bureaucratic details as much as it is about the crazy ass people. So who are, I mean, what are some of these crazy ass people? Like, it, uh, what's the word? <laughs> Well, so, you know, the name that everyone knows from the Ninth District Scandal is a guy named McCray Dallas, right? right. Like, he's the dude, the villain, if you will, or has been made to be the villain. Um, and so, uh, because I grew up like 30 minutes from Bladen County in a little town called Hope Mills, outside of Fayetteville in Cumberland County, as I say, the closest point of civilization you can get to Bladen County, um, I managed to get to know McCray Dallas. He actually spoke to me, um, unlike any other reporter in the world. Uh, and we became a reporter source relationship. I mean, I talked to McCray the other day. Um, and so that opened up a whole world of reporting that I was able to do and, and get access into the other side of this story that, that no one else has seen, mm -hmm. um, and still hasn't seen. And so that's kind of the impetus for writing the book. Um, I was sitting in McCray's smoky ass kitchen one day. He's a chain. I think he has stopped smoking now, but until very recently, he smoked in his house, and it was very smoke filled. Mm -hmm. As uh, a smoker, that's gross. Yeah, <laughs> I used to clean carpets uh, for a living, and there was nothing worse than going into a smoker's house. <laughs> um, and so uh, I was sitting in a smoky ass kitchen one day, wood paneling on the walls, sitting at his kitchen table where he does most of his all of his business, really, and something had happened that day. I don't know. I was a week or two into reporting down there. And I just thought to myself, I got to write a book about this. I mean, I, I really do. Um, and so, you know, the 2018 election and the election scandal didn't happen in a vacuum. It wasn't just one dude named McRae working for one candidate named Mark Harris and uh, that, that this happened. This wasn't an isolated incident. This, this, uh, Things led up, you know, this was kind of a perfect storm of stuff and situations that burst into what we saw in 2018. And so our book really unpacks all of that, unpacks the history leading up to it, unpacks the characters involved in it a little bit, unpacks the social and economic climate in Bladen County that served as the, you know, that just mixed all of this in here and up came the perfect, you know, mm -hmm. storm. And how did Michael get involved that's a great question. Um, <laughs> he said, hey, I heard you're writing a book. Let me put my name on that. <laughs> Not quite. Um, so one day uh, in March of, uh, or is it late February? Late February. Of, of, of 2019, after uh, there, was a, there was a sort of hearing on, on this, and Mark Harris decided to step down and call for a new election. About a week later, uh, Nick went through a rough day on the internet and was called out for his relationship with McRae Dallas. Uh, so I not knowing anything, called Nick and said, why don't we get a beer? And just because I was just trying to be a good friend. And we sat down and we talked and Nick said, I really thought like this could be a book. And I was like, well, let's do it together. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to ever suspect me of being some <laughs> Republican leaning love, like, you know, like loving McRae Dallas. Like right. nobody's ever going to suspect me of being that person. And I thought the two forces together, I thought would be a really, would sort of help make it bulletproof. So what we did throughout the interview process is Nick took me along, introduced me to McCray. He never trusted me, but I never talked to McCray without a recorder in front of me. Mm -hmm. And so Nick and I kind of like balanced each other out in the process. Nick got us in the door and then 
I came in and helped report the rest of the book with well, them. It's kind of how it worked. Yeah. And it's important to note, I mean, McCray Dallas is a source, right? right? And it's a source that anyone wanted to have by virtue of his front door, you know, got knocked on right. nonstop for weeks, right? And it just so happened that I knew people that got me in touch with him that he actually took my call and talked to me. Um, and, you know, uh, <laughs> we get to this in the book a little bit, but it, it it is you got to treat McRae just like everyone else in Bladen County very skeptically, right? But it's helpful to have a partner reporting down there, and especially a partner like Mike, who you know I would talk to McRae, I'd make notes, I'd make recordings sometimes, and I would just kind of get off the phone and call Mike and be like, "All right, this is what we just talked about, and can you believe this shit?" Right. You know, <laughs> and it was good to have him to bounce that off of, right? And there was a lot of "Can you believe this shit?" Like the whole <laughs> the whole time was. I love that. I just can't believe this has happened to me. <laughs> like there were instances where, uh, you know, McCray Dallas would show up to court hearings and things like that, and they, there would be fifty reporters there, and he would leave, and he would call Nick, and then Nick would call me and be like, "I can't believe McCray called me from like a Chick Fil A parking lot." Right. Like you know, it was like, and so we had all this backstory. I mean, we just have so much rich stuff in there about people carrying bags of money. Like, this is old time Southern stuff. People mm. carrying bags of money to Raleigh to try to bail McCray Dallas out. In of cash. Jail. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what? Cash yeah, bail. Is this book out yet? Or November 16th. Available gotcha. for pre-order wherever books are sold. Right. That bags. sounds very official. You're ready for that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bladen County has never gotten so much uh, free marketing. Right. <laughs> uh, Mike, we went for a beer, me and you and Justin, the Two Buck Saloon. I do. No book this. came out of it. I do. I, I remember this. <laughs> what I do remember from that, though, is uh, I remember saying something like, I rem this is off topic, but I remember saying it's those uh, it's those kids uptown who are drinking those SoCo and limes that are keeping this pandemic going. And Justin <laughs> said, how old are you? <laughs> um, clearly, my reference to hot drinks of the moment is not. Man, is not a I, made a, I made a tweet about that the other day with kids ordering Amaretto sours and gimlets. And it's like, what? <laughs> Are you Benjamin Button or something? <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> I just want gin and lime juice, fucking weirdo. <laughs> so but it, it does tie into the book, though, because every time you step into Bladen County a little bit, I felt young there. So, so, if, right. <laughs> so Justin, there you go. <laughs> um, very older constituency. Older, uh, yeah. I mean, wood paneling on the walls was sort of the norm in every place we went. Uh, it was Still beautiful. smoke. It reminded yeah. me of my childhood uh, right. in a lot of ways going into these homes, like, you know, low ceilings, everything like that smoke. My dad smoked in the house. You know, all of this stuff was was very familiar and rivers flooding, all of these things. Mm -hmm. It just reminded me of where I grew up. So I um, love a great wood paneled wall. I really do. A split level house. Wood I, you might want to move to Bladen County. <laughs> I thought about moving to Gastonia when you I went to my friend's house. Over there. <laughs> <laughs> it looked just like what you're describing. Um, How far away is Bladen County? I don't even know where you guys know better is. than we do. Uh, two, and and half two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. If you take the bypass on 74, probably yeah. 245 without the bypass. I thought it was a little closer because isn't, doesn't that district come into Mecklenburg? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, like Mickle, know that like Matthews, all the way to Bladen anymore. But yeah, it's weird. I mean, Mark Harris lived in the district, lived in Charlotte, right, right. And so you know, it gets into the eastern part of the wealthy eastern Republican part of Mecklenburg County, right. and at the time went all the way to Bladen County. Mm -hmm. And we kind of describe this in the book: the drive that you have to make to get from the ninth district part of Charlotte, part of the ninth district, to the Bladen part of the ninth district, and you drive through. I mean, just 
the range of North Carolina, right? right? I mean, from wealthy Charlotte to Bladenboro, and the two feel like totally different worlds. And it wasn't a, um, it was not a, a runaway win by any means. The original or the the follow up reelection, whatever, what do you call it? The special election. Special election. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Dan McCready came pretty close to winning that one, did he not? 905 votes the first time against Harris. Much It was a bigger margin against Dan Bishop the second time. Yeah. But the uh, the first one was 905 and that's or 904 or something like that. Yeah. I can't remember right. off the top of my head. So, Nick, coming up, have, do you have a history in writing? Like, how did you come up no. in the journalism world? <laughs> <laughs> I ran political campaigns and I grew up wanting to be involved in politics. And so I ran politi- statewide political campaigns in college. Mm-hmm. Um but didn't want to be a poli sci major because that seemed boring. And the one human I knew at Elon University where I went did the news. And so he said, you should come do the news. And I thought, that sounds fun. Mm-hmm. And so I did it. And turns out I liked it. And wow. I liked uncovering things and being a reporter. And so I went to be a journalist. Um, Joe but, Bruno and Nick Oshner, they, they're <laughs> spitting them out over there. We were – he. Joe was a freshman and I was a senior. All right. Please gotcha. do not ask him any stories about that. <laughs> um, uh, I went on to be a reporter kind of against my own better judgment. And I love it. And that's what I do. But it also, you know, I ran political campaigns and you can do a Google search and see that I was a Republican, you know, president of the college Republicans and mm. did all this stuff. I hate everyone now. Everyone's an asshole. <laughs> but, you know, that is a good background for me to understand a little bit about how the political process works. And it makes it easier for me to call bullshit on people on both sides. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause the so shock you politicians of all stripes right, are so. hypocritical. <laughs> right. Uh, and so that's how I got into this. Never thought I would write a book. Mm-hmm. Also why I called Mike. Not part of your plan. <laughs> no. um, my, my grandmother was the uh, president of the local democratic party where I grew up. So Nick <laughs> and I came from different backgrounds and that's sort of, I mean, that really is like we, had, we sketched this out in the books. Um, to where we kind of balanced each other out, where Nick was like overly critical of some of the, you know, maybe not overly, but sort of lean toward being a little bit more critical of the, the Democrats. And I would lean toward being a little bit more lean, you know, and we would like really, you know, we're both very much into like, we know everybody's lying to us all the time, mm-hmm. but it was helpful to know like where we come from and, and, and our own backgrounds and helped us balance each other out. We know everybody's lying to us all the time. I love that. Right. That's, just, <laughs> that's so true. It is. Uh, what, what is that writing process like? Cause I, that interests me a lot just in terms of, Ryan, I got into Ryan loves books. A big part of a journalist, a big part of the reason I think I fell in love with journalism is that I fucking hate, collaboration like i hate <laughs> group projects i don't like like relying on other people to do stuff and obviously i'm very familiar with the editor writer process but this is a lot different when it's co-written how do you tackle that in terms of you have all this information like you said in front of you need to put it into a document of some sort how do you like who's writing what and how are you doing how are you approaching that I think Nick describes it like he's the rough carpenter and I come in and do all the finish work and try to mm-hmm. try to fix a lot of things up. Um, that's how we did. So the book is split into three parts. Uh, parts one and part three are present day, like mostly modern from 2010 to 2018 to 2020, actually, through the presidential elections, 2020, we finish um, the sum of it. Um, actually, the last part, last few lines are about January 6th. Um, but uh, so... Nick and I worked on parts one and three together where he would sort of go in and rough everything out. And then I would come in and say like, all right, you said like McRae went to jail in 1994. Like, let's talk about what that bus ride must have looked like. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, and so I would go in and interview McRae and try to get details or I would go back and say, you know, just try to find out what the county looked like at the time and really do a lot of like detail work and describe 
what he would have seen. Um, and part two of the book is an entire history section on uh, on race in Eastern North Carolina. Um, and oh, I nice. I did uh, most of that work through library research and things like that. And it's a lot of voter suppression throughout time. It, it traces the history of uh, the history of elections essentially from Reconstruction to um, to 2018, and we draw some pretty clear lines from what happened in 2018 to to things that have happened in the past, um, all the way back to Reconstruction and things I mean, like that. It's pretty incredible. You can draw a straight line from Reconstruction to, to the events of 2018. Mm-hmm. And Mike did all the research and writing for that part, but it is the thing I think is the best part of the book I'm most proud yeah. of. I'm excited about yeah. reading it even more now because yeah. of that. I love that sort of thing. Um, so you guys strike me as, a, Justin and I and Carrie, our digital editor, were talking about this the other day. Uh, running through weird hypothetical, would you rather this or that? Um, but it's so there's different sort of styles of journalism, is what we, I was talking about in terms of like. So Justin, he does do journalism sometimes, writes stuff up for us. And Justin's sort of more of a dig into documents kind of guy, uh, investigative. He really enjoys that. And I'm more of a, uh, I'd like to go connect with people and meet them in person and just have them share their story and be a storyteller. Now, Mike, you sort of strike me, just as knowing both of your work, and I'm from the outside looking in, so tell me if I'm wrong. Mike, you sort of strike me as a storyteller, and you sort of strike me more as the investigative, digging in kind of person. Is that accurate, would you say? That feels accurate. Yeah, absolutely. Does that that bring a sort of dynamic that help makes it easier to oh, work together? Oh, it's certainly uh, their complementary skills. I mean, look, I don't, I can't think of a better writer, not just that I know personally, but that I know of than Michael Graff, right? I mean, he just writes beautiful things. Everything he writes, I'm just like, shit, that was really great. <laughs> um, and I don't have that skill, but I can make sources really well and I can uncover documents really well. And so, you know, I think I bring that. He brings his beautiful way with words and ways to write about people. Um, and so I think we, you know, we have a really well-balanced book that is both in-depth and thorough and beautifully written at the same time and entertaining. Yeah. And there's some, you know, Oh, there's a big part of me that's envious of what Nick does. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could do some of the things he does. On I agree. <laughs> that's like, and, I mean, and likewise. Yeah. I mean, that's, I sort of just, you know, even in Charlotte, I think like I have just a deep appreciation for all of the different ways journalism is done in Charlotte. And mm-hmm. I just, you know, I never want to get stagnant and just be able to do one thing. So mm-hmm. every time I see what Nick does, I like, you know, I wish I had the, the courage to chase somebody through a parking <laughs> lot or something like that with cameras. Like, you know, I don't do that. Right. <laughs> knock know? on somebody's door. You were talking about how often people would knock on McCray Dallas's door. Like that would drive me insane. And I also <laughs> wouldn't go do that. Right. Uh, so, I just couldn't do that. A quick story. If I may, Please. Uh, the night that Lisa Britt had called us to come interview her at McCray's house. What I just said is totally different than what she said under oath. Um, that's what happened. So we're sitting in McCray's house waiting for Lisa Britt, who was his, one of his campaign workers, kind of the star witness at the the hearing against him, kind of. Um, we're waiting for her to show up uh, hours later. And I'm sitting there and a re- another reporter knocked on the door from a different <laughs> outlet. And I'm sitting inside and I'm like, huh. Get out. <laughs> you should answer the door. Get out. <laughs> and, you know, he answers, oh, I'm not doing any interviews. <laughs> and there I am. The only time I can remember doing a bunch of door knocking was actually like the worst possible situation because I was so still so mad that this didn't work out. And I almost don't want to say it publicly uh, in <laughs> case I can follow up. This was six, seven, eight years ago. But I had got a lead from a guy who actually does the only like certified cleaning in the area that 
legally you have to do to a house if meth was cooked in that house. Um, and he was telling me that no one does it. And it's and he gave me a list of houses that had been busted for for meth, and now new people are living there, not knowing that these toxins are in their walls and and stuff. And we were trying to go do a test. He said he would do it for free for anyone that would answer the door and let me do it. And these were some of the worst fucking oh, areas I've ever been in, knocking on doors, just cold. Just where, do you, where else do you think they cook meth? Uh, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it was inherently just some real uh, sketchy situations and. Uh, and I just nobody would let me do it. Everyone just really thought that I was fucking lying and I was some sort of police officer or up to something not no good. It was just really tough to get anyone to do it. And the only person who agreed when we came back to actually do the test was nowhere to be found. So, but anyway, that's my only <laughs> uh, experience knocking on doors. Wasn't you could knock one. on doors in Bladen County then. Oh, dude, <laughs> I had knocked on a lot of doors in Bladen yeah. County. Got chased by a dog one time. Didn't have any guns pulled on me. I mean, people live in places like Bladen County because they don't want anyone coming around them. To right. Knock on and door. so the biggest <laughs> thing I had concerned was like legitimately people pulling a gun on me because I mean, that's mm-hmm. generally how you would treat someone. Yeah. Especially with media. Yeah. The way people view the media, if you're of a certain ilk these days and just completely, yeah, that would be, that would be tough. Um, so, I mean, where, where do we stand now? I think McCray was just, was just sentenced. For for one part of his offenses and still faces another trial. Is that correct? Well, so McCray's bet was indicted three times, two mm-hmm. times in state court on charges related to election fraud and a federal indictment uh, related to um, social security disability fraud. So he ultimately pleaded guilty to the, to the social security disability fraud. He was sentenced to six months or a year in prison. Maybe let's call I think it a it year. Was, it might be six months. Yeah, it was months. It was some amount okay. of months. <laughs> I'll go with six months. Um, and he's supposed to start serving that, I believe, in December. Uh, all these had some health problems. So we'll see if that happens. Um, and uh, the state charges remain outstanding. Um, he is set for an arraignment, uh, another court appearance for the first time in several years. Uh, one day before our book comes out on November 15th, I would... <laughs> You were right, six months. I would like to thank Lauren Freeman for scheduling that perfectly. Are you guys going to be able to make any changes or additions the day before? (laughs) Done. We are finished. Um, But it is uh, interesting to me that his state case has not moved forward at all. And everyone was so sure that McCray Dallas had perpetrated all these crimes. Um, And if he has, he has yet to go to court for them. Mm -hmm. You've probably had this happen to you before where you know somebody who becomes a big news story and you watch other people talk about them when you know that they don't know his story or hear their, her story very well. Mm-hmm. That Absolutely. happens every time somebody talks about election fraud mm-hmm. now where um, they'll throw up, you know, those, the Republicans will make a charge that there's there's voter fraud somewhere and then somebody will put up a picture of McRae Dallas and say, mm-hmm. well, look who actually did it. It was mm-hmm. the Republicans. And you watch, you watch reporters talk about him. You watch media folks talk about him, and like, and Nick and I know I, I, he knows him better than I do. But I, you know, I know him now, and I know for a fact that while he he may have been doing some illegal things, he was a part of a much bigger problem. Mm-hmm. And and to sort of pin the blame all on him is 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 almost just as lazy as as any mm-hmm. kind of. Uh, and he, not just journalism, just thought process. It's mm-hmm. just like, so you sort of just become this figurehead for the whole conspiracy that happened behind him. And, and here's the problem with how 2018 played out, right? I, so again, I grew up in Hope Mills, right down the road from Bladen and Robeson County, voting in Robeson 
even more sketchy than voting in Bladen County, <laughs> arguably. Also, Columbus, let's throw that in the mix. Um, but this is just how people voted, for better or for worse. I'm not, we not without diving into the merits of what is legal and illegal. That's just how people voted in Bladen County. And we talk about this in the book, but my colleague David Hodges, when he was down there doing 2018 reporting with me, he <laughs> found a complaint. Someone called the Board of Elections in like 2016 because the improvement, the Bladen Improvement Association, the Black Political Action Committee, uh, didn't send someone to pick up his ballot that year. He, it was so regular, they called to complain that someone didn't go collect his ballot. Oh, right, right. <laughs> that, uh, yeah. Wow. I mean, it's just mind-blowing, yeah, right? So that's and just the way things were done. That's just how people vote. And again, we can talk about whether or not that was illegal. Um, you know, Kim Strack, who is then the director of the board of, of the state board of elections, has said publicly they found no evidence, and I'm not aware of any evidence that any ballots were destroyed. I don't believe there's any evidence of ballots being tampered. Um, and the problem is everyone in Bladen County lies. And so, I mean, we we've seen affidavits that are again sworn to under oath that are just are demonstrably false based on other testimony or other facts that we have. Um, but but so that's just how people vote. Mm -hmm. And McRae worked for the Improvement Association in the 90s before he went off on his own and learned how to do what he does or did um, from the Improvement Association. And yet, 98% uh, of the focus has been on McRae Dallas and not on the larger political machine in Bladen County. And I think that has the worse effect of almost scapegoating him and letting everyone off else off the hook. Right. Which if you're trying to fix democracy, we should want to it's fix not healthy, all right? of it. And if you want to, I mean, just for local listeners, I mean, the Bladen County Improvement Association is akin to like the Black Political Caucus in Mecklenburg County that formed for a reason essentially to get more black representation in local governments. And we trace it all the way back to um, – and we tra we trace this all the way back to the, like I said, Reconstruction. But the last black congressman before Jim Crow laws was a guy named George Henry White, and he was from Bladen County. Mm -hmm. um, and his last uh, on his last days in, in Congress uh, before he got gerrymandered out, like every black congressman did at the time, uh, he said, "May goddamn North Carolina, the place of my birth." And he moved to New Jersey and established a town called uh, Whiteville. Uh, or Whitesboro or something, I think. I can't remember. It's one, it's, it begins with a white. Um, <laughs> but um, in like 25 years later, Durham forms their first black political caucus to get representation. And they are the Durham, um, the Durham Board for Negro Affairs was the first of these organizations. And it spawned all of these other organizations that tr just just trying to get some black representation on, on, on local boards and, and local governments. And um, when it ended up happening in Bladen County was after after a court ruled and, and created even more black representation, there's, for every action, there's not equal and opposite reaction. And what happened was white people got really upset. Mm -hmm. um, black folks got a uh, black folks got a sheriff in 2010 in Bladen County and they, they got a black sheriff from Brennan Benson. And all of a sudden, white people really, really got upset because one of their biggest fears was, well, well, now we don't have a white guy in the, in the top law enforcement office, and and that spurred all of that spurred this incredible movement that that McCray Dallas was part of, where he was just jumping for the money um, because the black political caucus, their black caucus, there didn't want to work with him anymore. He jumps over to the money on the white side because they were trying to rally votes on their side and and trying to get a white sheriff back in place. None, of, I mean, and the larger point of this is none of this has anything to do. With Dan McCready and Mark Harris, right, right, and like, 
that's I mean that's so the whole frustrating thing about watching people talk about this is they talk about Democrats and Republicans at this level and the the reality is the reason that this election was called off was because white people were mad that there was a black sheriff in 2010. This is why I love having journalists on the show because they answer questions before I ask them because my <laughs> next question was going to be like, where does this racial history play into this story? And Mike just literally <laughs> went there. I love it. At Ortho Carolina, my personalized orthopedic care begins with the click of a mouse because online scheduling saves me time. Ortho Carolina, my care, my way. Schedule your appointment today at orthocarolina.com. Get ready. Broadway is returning to Charlotte. Blumenthal Performing Arts has an incredible selection of upcoming hits, including the returns of Hamilton and Wicked, plus the long-awaited Charlotte debut of Disney's Frozen and many more fan-favorite musicals and plays. Season tickets are on sale now at BlumenthalArts.org slash BPA Broadway. Wash your hands, avoid sick people, and touching your face. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Visit CDC.gov slash COVID-19. Brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. At Ortho Carolina, my personalized orthopedic care feels like home. Because video visits bring my provider to me. Ortho Carolina. My care, my way. Schedule your appointment today at orthocarolina.com. So there was a, uh, God, I'm not remembering, is it New York Times? Someone, some big, some big national outlet did a long form podcast on this. Is it New York Times? Yep. And I just, you know, as you and I both know, as local journalists, everyone in this room, I guess, uh, with the amount of media outlets we have in town, that happens on a local level all the time where we'll be working on something and someone does it first and this and that. But I mean, it's kind of crazy sometimes how it's it like is exactly the same. As, <laughs> Not as even like a timely story, on. something you just thought of out of the blue and all of a sudden it's like. Michael Graff writes a great piece. <laughs> um, but I mean, does that, what, what were your thoughts on that podcast? Because I mean, I, I'm saying this completely third party because I did not listen to the podcast yet, but someone had told me that they're almost like critical of y'all's reporting on it. I don't know. They talked about you? They, they didn't. They mentioned me very briefly. Oh, okay. um, but I'll say this. It was done by um, Zoe Chase, who's a producer on This American Life for um, the New York Times, you know, bought uh, serial productions. So it was a serial productions miniseries that she did. And I'll say this to Zoe, you know, you want to say a lot about, you know, the big national outlets parachuting in. Zoe probably is the only human on earth who spent more time reporting in Bladen County than Mike and I. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, just she, from like the get from the start, like 2018. Yeah. It was just there I mean, reporting. She was down a long time mm -hmm. um, and really got to know those folks very well. Mm -hmm. um, so I've got a lot of respect for, for Zoe. Um, her podcast ended up being pretty different, like takes on a different focus than our book does. Um, but as I tell people, if you liked the podcast, you will really like the book. Nice. Yeah. She blurbed our book. So it wasn't uh, nice. It wasn't. Ex yeah. I don't, I don't remember being critical of. Oh, okay. Of recording I must, I, book, like I said, I heard that from someone else. They must have sort of missed. No, there was, you know, the biggest difference between it, obviously, is McRae Dallas. She really wanted to interview McRae. Mm -hmm. And, um, for one reason or another, McCray has promised Nick that he would only talk to Nick. And Nick 
I was, I've been in the room with Nick. I have it on tape with Nick. We sent it to a transcriptionist with, and, uh, Nick says, I, I, I told you, you can talk to whoever you want to talk to, <laughs> uh, because we really didn't want people to think we were being like, you know, ball I, I, hogs. yeah, ball hogs <laughs> on, like a person, right. It's like, uh, it's, it's, I didn't know that would work in this situation, uh, uh, Exclusivity. But, but there was actually a time and we have it in the book and we have, um, we have it on tape where Zoe, uh, called McRae while we were interviewing him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he put her on speakerphone. He just answered because he answers everybody on speakerphone. And uh, he, he basically said, Well, I'm not doing interviews right now. And then he hung up. And he was literally doing an interview. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> everybody in Bladen County lies. Uh, so that's his first crime because I hate when people are just walking around in public talking on speakerphone. <laughs> <laughs> That's indictment number four. <laughs> answering the answering the whole phone call on speaker. Yeah, <laughs> just cold answering, not even knowing, and just saying hello. Oh no. Um, so why when you're talking about, and I do want to get to a couple other things, Myers Park specifically, but uh, just to sort of wrap on this. What when you just what you just described, both of you, in terms of like him not necessarily. It's almost sort of like him being a fall guy. Mm-hmm. What are the crimes specifically that he ended up going, being sentenced for? Well, the stuff he's been sentenced and he pleaded guilty to in federal mm-hmm. court have nothing to do with election law. Okay. Literally nothing. And so we have no judicial determination and no, we haven't seen any court evidence yet uh, or any evidence presented in court. Mike and I have seen the entire criminal discovery file. Uh, for that we got in the course of reporting the book. Uh, but we've seen no evidence entered in court to suggest what McRae Dallas did illegally. I mean, we've seen the, the State Board of Elections hearing, but that's not a court of law. It's mm-hmm. not a criminal court either. Um, and so we don't we don't know yet because it hasn't happened right. whether or not he's guilty of anything. Um, and We're going to have to hold on this book <laughs> until did, we know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the federal charges were loosely are. Cr- uh, are tied to or they were tied but they weren't tied to like election law not no. his behavior it was basically right, yeah. he admitted to taking money to work an election campaign which you know which, a lot of people uh, take money yeah, to work without disclosing it to right. the social security yeah. administration while he was getting retirement so yeah. oh gotcha gotcha okay yeah. um so yeah let's let's pivot a little bit <laughs> um there's been uh, plenty of local stories that we could chat about but there's one thing that I wanted to talk to you specifically about Nick. We had David Hodges on a couple months ago and we talked a little bit about this Myers Park sexual assault scandal, I guess you could call it cover up um, reports. Um, and there has been some actual new, some updated things in terms of that. Myers Park principal was recently demoted. He wasn't fired, right? I'd just say reassigned. Yeah. Cause it did. That's what I wanted to ask you about. Cause what is this new position? It sounded like he's not, he hasn't lost a whole lot of influence or power. It's a new role at the central office. Right. I don't remember what they called it off the top of the head. They literally created the job for him. It pays the same as he made as principal at Myers Park. Right. Um, he's just not a principal of school anymore. Well, let's get into just like Rob Dance. Right. Exactly. Moving give him an office public job. Eye, yeah. Right. Um, well, for those who don't know, give a quick rundown because you sort of have been doing the most reporting on the story and sort of broke it wide open. Um, give us a quick rundown of what has happened at Myers Park over the last year. I mean, it goes back years, but yeah, the well, story has broke this. And year. actually, I, I started reporting the story and we put we published story on this first uh, for the first time in November of 2015, and it was the seeds from that story that blossomed into the the coverage that has happened this year, six years later. Um, 
And so the long and short of it is uh, we've spoken with six women, now women, they were girls, I think they're high school students, uh, who reported being raped or sexually assaulted at Myers Park High School uh, between 2014 and 2019. And we're talking about female students who reported both in every time, in every one of them, both to school administrators and police. And despite that, nothing happened at either the school level or the police level. Right. Um so when I was looking into this a little bit before interviewing with David, it seems there is a specific law around this in terms of there's supposed to be someone on staff who handles these sort of accusations. And was it, am I wrong that there was not someone then or they just weren't doing their job? Title nine. Counselor, yeah, right. yeah. So they have a title nine coordinator that that was implemented like a couple it, months ago? But, no, they've actually been there uh, because the Department of Education came in and did a consent decree with uh, Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools, I believe, in 2018. So they, they've been in place for a couple years, not during most of the time period in which um, these these students reported these incidents. Mm-hmm. Title IX existed long before they started following right. it to, in that way with that position. Um, but but they've taken some steps since most of the cases that, that I've covered. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how comfortable you are sharing opinions about this. Very uncomfortable sharing okay. opinions. <laughs> um, it just seems to me like there hasn't been – have there been other actions taken beyond this principal reassignment um, in terms of accountability or um, – People being held, yeah, accountability. <laughs> sure. Well, uh, so, you know, the principal first being suspended and then being reassigned, right? That's probably right. the the biggest, most recent thing. Uh, but also, Superintendent Ernest Winston formed a task force oh, right. to yeah. look at how CMS handles Title IX issues across the district. Um, and that, that seems substantive, a substantive response. Now, what I'll say immediately following that is that that task force is operating literally in secret. Um, it has 11 students on it and six adults. They will only tell us the names of three adults, the three CMS employees. We don't know the outside adults who are on that task force. We don't know what the task force is doing. The meetings are not open to the public, even though me and my lawyers argue they are qualified as a public body under the open meetings law and it should be open to the public. Um, so we don't know what work they're doing. We don't know what that final report will look like. We have no no idea and no insight into this thing that's supposed to be the cornerstone response to this outcry, right, right from students and parents. It was very weird as an investigative reporter who talks mostly about like government stuff. I'm not used to uh, high school students recognizing me from Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's popular. <laughs> um, but it's been interesting to watch this set of stories and this reporting really resonate with high school students and their families because it, it, it's affecting them. Mm-hmm. It's personal to them. Um, and so to have the keystone action or reaction from the school district, right, to this reporting and this outcry from students and parents be a totally secret task force that's going to do a thing. Um, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've also uh seen as a that that when the principal from Myers Park was reassigned Mark Bosco uh that came at the conclusion of an investigation into his handling of these reported rapes and sexual assaults but we now know um that they didn't interview any of the six women who reported being raped or sexually assaulted and they know at least three of them that I've talked with mm-hmm. um and so they claim this was a thorough investigation they didn't talk to any of the women involved and that's what I was curious about. Is there any attempts or ongoing criminal investigations into this as far as independent justice for Boy, these victims? I'm glad you asked. No, <laughs> we, we also have done reporting that shows that CMPD mishandled 
at least several of these these cases. That's that was my favorite update. School <laughs> resource officer one. Oh, I was enthralled oh, right, by yeah. that story. And, and you know, so we have we have some um, under oath testimony from depositions uh, from both Mark Bosco, the former principal, and from Bradley Leak, the former school resource officer, have testified under oath in one of the court cases. So two of the six women have have filed federal lawsuits. Um, one settled. Uh, a, a woman named Nikki Womwell, uh, who uh, I believe was probably the first to report being raped in the woods behind the school in 2014. And she filed a lawsuit under the pseudonym Jill Rowe. She since revealed her identity. Um, and uh, in her case, police didn't even fill out a report. There is, she reported to police because Bradley Leak has testified that he talked to her about it. He a student said she was raped and he didn't make a police report about mm-hmm. it. And, and so I, but you know, the other thing in Womwell's case is that he testified under oath to saying, well, I didn't make a report because she, her case didn't meet the definition of a rape because I called police attorney, Judy Emkin and Judy Emkin said, this wasn't a rape because she had previously had sex with the person that she claimed raped her. That's what he said under oath. Oh, right. yeah, the CMPD lawyer who's now retired, Judy Emkin, that's what he testified under oath where you have to tell the truth, where you swear to tell the truth. That's what he said happened. Judy Emkin on the record says that phone call didn't happen and I wouldn't have told him that because that's not the law. And for what it's worth, Nikki Womwell says she had not had sex with that uh, with the person that she accused of raping her mm. prior to the incident in the woods. So that's the kind of stuff we're dealing with here. So there's uh, re- somebody's from Bladen County in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, we have this, we know CMPD didn't take a report here. There are other questions about what steps CMPD did to investigate any of the others. The girl that I talked with in 2015, that was a 2015 story. Uh, her parents uh, immediately took her uh, from the woods. She got taken into the woods by a boy. She was texting for help while she was in the woods. The SRO goes and finds them, puts both of them in the car, the boy and the girl in the same car right next to each other and brings them. Her parents come get her, take her immediately to atrium to get a rape kit done. CMPD did not come to collect the rape kit. It, they made eight phone calls, the hospital staff and her mom. Where are you? Why aren't you coming to get the rape kit? I have the recordings. And CMPD didn't come to do that. And so – there are a lot of questions surrounding um, CMPD's handling of, of these cases while in its investigation. Um, there, none of them resulted in any kind of charges. So I asked uh, the district attorney, Spencer Merriweather, do you have confidence that these were properly investigated? And, or would you or are you considering calling in an outside agency like the State Bureau of Investigation to re investigate these files. Oh, we also know none of the girls went to a forensic uh, exam, which is where you'd go talk to someone who's trained to ask questions in what happened to you and about your claims to see the veracity and the validity of these claims. It's a common step. A lawyer tells me it's a common step for anyone under 18 who would report sexual violence. Mm -hmm. That didn't happen in any of the six cases. Um, And so I asked Spencer Merriweather, are you comfortable with how these were investigated? And Spencer Merriweather said he saw no reason to call in an outside investigator and would not answer the question directly about whether he was comfortable with CMPD's handling of these cases. Dang, Spencer, come on, man. Yeah, he's a former guest here. Get him back in here and answer some questions. <laughs> oh, he won't. Good right. luck. I wish you would. Um, maybe he'll maybe he'll text me like he did the time I was on this podcast saying that I didn't think he was running for re-election. And he called me and he goes, yeah, I don't know why you said that. I never, ever said I wasn't running for re-election. Spencer, like, if you're oh, listening, cool, you call listen? me. Oh, cool, you listen? So this... Uh, 
you mentioned you're heading there after this. We're here, we're on Thursday night. We're recording this, and you said you're heading there for a protest. Is that unrelated? Is that to do with that firing of the teacher? Well, so this is re- this is being organized by uh, two of the women who reported. Oh, being, okay, so being it is related raped. to that. Yep, uh, and some current Myers Park students. It's actually not at the school; it's at First Ward Park. Um, but they're protesting the fact that they weren't interviewed for this um, for this investigation, and they're you know, and, and CMS has continued. You know, CMS still won't release to me data showing reported sexual violence on all of its campuses. What data they have shown me shows that CMS had records of one reported rape Mm -hmm. in 10 years in the whole school system, in the whole school system across all school districts, one reported rape. And when I said, well, that can't possibly be because I know of three reported rapes just at Myers park. And they said, well, we only record the ones that we find that we determine to be credible reports. Oh, wow. There was playing so, God with the data there. Right. Jeez. It seems like um, I saw a report. There were two two sexual assaults reported today. Um, I want to say East Mech or West Mech. I don't know. I don't want to misspeak, so I'm just going to drop it. But I thought I saw a, a report of two sexual assaults at a high school just today. I know of one. Right. Maybe of it was one just one and not two. Um, well, and we can look at what happened at Olympic High School earlier this year, right. right? Where a female student reported being raped. Mm-hmm. Police. It was reported to police. Police investigated, and a student was charged with that, and and still allowed to play football. There are some questions about whether or not the student who's been identified as that player was involved in that direct incident. Oh, uh, okay, gotcha. Just to be clear, mm-hmm. it's a sticky situation uh, on the facts there. What CMS has said is that that student was charged with an off-campus crime. Oh, okay. So logically, not the student who was charged in what we know. We know there was a student who played football who was charged with a felony. We know there was a student who was charged for an on-campus sexual offense. Uh, and CMS says the student charged with the felony, the football player, is not charged with an on-campus crime. Mm-hmm. Um, but And there's been uproar about that, and mm-hmm. scrutiny is good, and certainly the handling of the protests, right? Disciplining people for protesting. Right, that was the whole. Interesting mm-hmm. and troubling. Um, but there, the system worked a lot better than it worked for any of the six girls I talked with who reported being raped and sexually assaulted at Myers Park High School, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that's, in my mind, the bigger response than mm-hmm. a, a secret task force or a reassignment of a principal is when women report sexual violence on campus now, we actually investigate it. Right. And I think that is the impact of your reporting and why our, all of our jobs are so important is because I'm sure that they didn't want another Myers Park on their hands, for sure. After all the reporting that's been done this year, you guys are you guys you guys run a media company. Why don't you ask Nick how much money his TV station spends on lawyers for him? Right, because we talked a little bit with David about this, but uh, you what, guys what are David constantly saying? in court. Oh, nothing about nothing about costs. Or no, he didn't you're say the talking costs, about. So we're it. just talking about like lawyers and stuff. Right, a lot of money. I'm, it's got to be seven figures. We were trying to figure out who we were going to sue together uh, with David, <laughs> since you guys are just always in court. Yeah, that's what we were talking about. We we're like, Suing. you guys have a lawyer, so we're just going to find somebody to sue <laughs> and then call you. Yeah, because you and you and him are both looking into a certain the uh, the county response to tent city. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> lawyers are very. Expensive. So I, I'm I, the the they're actually they're always shitty parts of working in any place, but they're actually really good parts to my job and and why I really enjoy my specific job at WBTV. But among them is the fact that I have tons of legal resources that I recognize I'm very blessed to have as a journalist. So you know we've got robust internal counsel, we've got robust local counsel, we've got robust lawyers on retainer to help us write nasty letters when people don't follow the Public Records Act, and so um, it is really a highlight that when I say I'm going to sue you, I can back that up 
by suing you. Right. And, and so we, we have a lawsuit against Charlotte Mecklenburg schools for not producing records related to my reporting on Myers Park. David has a lawsuit against the city of Charlotte related to them refusing to give some records. Um, uh, about the Ernst and Young contract to survey council members about why they can't get along. Um, so yeah, right. Oh, I almost forgot about that. Justin's got a story coming that's going to be our first time where we need full legal review of the story before we publish it because we're almost certainly going to be sued. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that, that's something to look forward to. In it's November. not even. It's not an almost certainty. It's a definite, it's a definite. certainty. Um, <laughs> so I feel I would be remiss not to mention on a news hounds podcast the story that everyone talked about this week and i kind of just want to get y'all's thoughts on a more lighthearted level as to whether it is a story but this water main break has been all anybody's talked about and i like mostly it's been sort of jokes and memes and and this and that but at the same time what do you so for those who don't know this water are you guys thirsty right (laughs) for those who don't know this water main broke it's 66 years old i believe it was um and, you know, Angela Charles, I think her name is the director of Charlotte Water, <laughs> called it historic water main break and said that about 6% of the water mains or water just pipage in general um, throughout our city are that old or older, I think 60 years old or older. Um, what? I mean, what are your thoughts on that in terms of infrastructure? Justin said he doesn't want it to get fixed because it's just more construction workers in our way. No, leave the roads where they are so I can drive (laughs) on them. Um, I mean, where do you think this story goes, if anywhere? I mean, I just think it's, uh, obviously infrastructure is an important thing, but I think the bigger story is, you know, we've all had, Nick's Nick's station has has done, David's done stories on this. We've all had troubles getting straight answers from the city of Charlotte right. on most anything. And so when we ask questions all Monday night, you know, all of us, all of our media mm-hmm. outlets were asking questions and nobody said anything about, Hey, you might want to boil, boil your water. water. Right. Until like nine 30. On all the chance in the world. And we and all were asking, like, everybody was asking like, yeah. Hey, what should we tell people? And I think like, that's all we were trying to do. If I'm not mistaken, nine 30 is when they were like, maybe if you want to, you yeah, can boil it. Uh, it. And then it like one in the, in the morning, morning and then they tweeted. Yeah, yeah you it. should. So like, that's to me is always the bigger story. And I think we all know that, um, you know, Steve Harrison's written about this at FAE. We're just trying to figure out a way to, to, for us as media to have a better relationship with the city of Charlotte and the staff there to get straighter answers out of it, out of them on everything. Right. Um, even the small, Good luck. even right. the very, <laughs> even the very, very small thing of, you know, that, that, that Joe Bruner tweeted about how, she, how she was, uh, the, the city water director was in Chicago. Not a big deal. Nobody right. expects a water at like, a water conference, by the way, right. nobody it's expects doing her job. But why hide it? Yeah. Like why hide it? In well, the background? And, and and let's like, talk it's just about, like a small, it's just such a small thing. Mm-hmm, it's like, but why, it's weird. why do you have to like, just talk to us like <laughs> right. human beings? Maybe right? she just didn't want people to see her hotel well, room. But yeah. let's <laughs> talk about something, Maybe. a bigger problem of this that you touch on Mike a little bit, I think is, I think the water department has two, public information officers, right? The city of Charlotte has its corporate communications and marketing, which is what it's called, which I think is a terrible name for a government entity because you're <laughs> not a corporation and you shouldn't act like a corporation right. that has at least two or three paid PR people. And I'm sure more the CMPD and the Charlotte fire have their own public information apparatus with, you know, at least a half dozen public department. Yeah. yeah. And it is so incredibly difficult. I mean, how many, uh, 
PR people work at the county, right? Probably mm-hmm. another half dozen. And it is so hard to get public information. This in is this your county. job. Yes. Yeah. And so, I mean, seriously, these people don't work for free and they're probably making better salaries than reporters. And how much money, how many millions of dollars in salary and benefits are the citizens of Charlotte and Mecklenburg County paying for people who don't answer whether their boss is in Chicago at a water conference or right. whether you should boil your water? Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a failure of government. Yeah, we Absolutely. could totally find out the answer to that. Right. The <laughs> <Yeah>. dollar amount. <laughs> you could, um, yes. For sure. Yeah, that's all public. Yes. And it's it's still like one of those things where you were just saying, we've all heard the cliche that it's not the crime, it's the cover up. So in this case, it's more like it's not the incident, it's the response. I mean, yeah. I mean, everybody only cared about the water main break because of the videos. I right. mean, like, like at the, the beginning. Those the videos are yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, I just like <laughs> half the bars in town had to shut down. <laughs> right. Well, right. I didn't even know it was happening because I was dealing with an electrical issue at Hattie's as I was opening. <laughs> And people kept calling and being like, do you have water? And I would just hang up on them. Like, what right. the, is this a fucking <laughs> Is your refrigerator running? Like, hey, of course I have water. Of course I have water. <laughs> but I mean, it does, it does, it's slightly concerning. You know, the entire state of shut, Texas was shut down last fall, like, or mm-hmm. last winter when, when that storm came through. So, I mean, you just have to, if you can't give us a straight answer on one little water main break, like right. what are you going to do when our entire city's power grid goes down an ice storm or something yeah. like that? And you know, what are we going to do? And it is all of those government entities. It's, it's it's crazy that it's not even just one. It's like a rule of thumb in government to not answer. Right. Like what's what's everybody's longest outstanding public records request right now? <laughs> Ours is a little over a year, I think, mm-hmm. is our longest standing one. Right. Mine is a year and a half now. Yeah. I have a public records lawsuit that I filed in October of 2016 that's still not resolved. <laughs> wow. Jeez. Happy five years to your lawsuit. <laughs> oh, but it's funny when Nick calls me sometimes, he'll call me to talk about the book. He'll call, well, you know, we'll start talking about the book and then eventually he'll, he'll, I, I'm a very trusting person. I like people mm-hmm. a lot. So I even like, you know, a lot of our heads of government and things like that. And then Nick will always come up with some reason that I should probably not like right. them anymore. So, <laughs> I love it. it Nick. Um, <laughs> yeah. My, my thing, if we're looking, I mean, 6% of water pipes being 60 years old or older, I don't think is a huge, maybe not a huge difference from other cities. What people don't know about is the bridges. Like remember when those stats came out about how many bridges are just very close to failure and it's like when does that when does that one big incident happen because that's scary I, I just fucking hate bridges they're terrifying <laughs> i loved watching that truck driving that bridge over there that, oh yeah justin yeah, saw cool. <laughs> justin saw somebody make a, a bridge more uh apt to fail when they just ran right into it because they did, apparently didn't know their clearance height mm-hmm. um right that's down awesome. the street from here right? yeah. yeah at the just just right up here on seagull like if you're going to hawthorne this or is no, super old. If bridge. you're going to fucking, if you're going to Parkwood on Seagull, there's the bridge for the train tracks right here. Truck was coming down the hill and just fucking tuna can. Oh wow! <laughs> right in front of me. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm jealous. Um, <laughs> nobody was harmed. Uh, so I think we're God, good here, man. Is there job. any other uh, any other local stuff going on that we failed to? I mean, there's plenty of local stuff going on. I did kind of want to talk about what's, redistricting, but that's a whole nother. What are you guys working on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us what's coming? Um, I did want to talk about city council redistricting a little bit, but that's I feel like that's going to lead us down another. 30, yeah. That's a whole nother episode. But um, anything in terms of the vote collectors is available for pre-order. November 16th, it comes out. Any other plugs you guys want to make before uh, we head out of here? 
buy it now. Uh, but <laughs> don't wait buy it later. The supply yeah. line. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, your joke, but yeah, right. it's really no, I'm serious. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Well, I know I'll be getting my copy for sure. Um, and I really appreciate and you. Uh, <laughs> and I really appreciate you guys coming on here. Short notice, but uh, it was a great yeah. talk. Thank you guys. Yeah. Great to see you again. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah.